Living HD, a journey through the letter of James. Man, I am so, so, so expectant for the next eight to nine weeks as we journey through this. And I really, really trust the Lord that you will move from just being a hearer to the word to become a doer of the word. Living HD, to live highly defined in everything that Jesus has for us, but to live as hearers and as doers so that we are not deceived in any way but can live in everything that he has for us. It's my privilege this morning to open up the book of James to you to the first chapter. And as we get ready to, to get into this journey, I want to answer the question that is important to ask at the beginning of this series. Who is this guy called James? It's a little bit more context about the writer of this book, which is so important. And especially also the audience that he is writing to is that James is the brother of Jesus. In fact, he grew up with Jesus, being around Jesus, the brother of Jesus. He walked with him. He became one of his trusted disciples. And then he saw Jesus taken to the cross, buried and resurrected. And then James moved on to become the leader of the first century church in the city of Jerusalem. And that church was a primary Jewish church. And what happened is because of the, the, the believers and, and the, the Jewish people didn't think that Jesus was the Messiah, there's been some friction and they started persecuting those who started following Jesus as the Messiah. And these people were dispersed across the region. So when James writes, he writes to this diaspora of people and, and he encourages them as the leader of this first century church in Jerusalem and reminds them of some of the important things that Jesus said and the way that Jesus lived. I really believed that when James penned down these, these words that he was imagining how it is to live as a Christian, how it is to live as a confessor of Jesus as the Messiah. And he really wanted to make sure that his readers or the listeners of his message will get this message that we can't only hear the word of God, we've got to be people who actively live it out. And that's what this whole book is about. We'll read then at first verse how James introduced himself. He says, I'm James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm writing to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. And he says, greetings. I love the word he chooses to introduce himself. He didn't choose a little bit of a high road and say, well, I'm James, the brother of Jesus. And I was there and saw everything that happened. He chose to introduce himself to us as a servant. And not just a servant to Jesus Christ, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is amazing because here the brother of Jesus sees Jesus as Lord. And he says, with that in mind, who am I but a servant who live in the service of my King? So as we open up the book of James and get into this journey, I want to encourage you to have a humble heart of humility as a servant of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll see later on in the letter how he speaks about that humility and how we ought to live in humility. And if we can, like James, say that we are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will become incredible hearers and doers and our lives will be highly defined in Jesus. So without further ado, let's read our passage for today. James 1 verse 2 to 18. I'm going to read from the ESV translation. And you can follow on your Bible app if you're following there or in your Bibles and it'll be up on the screen. Let's read together. Count it all joy, my brothers, 
when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Lord Jesus, I pray as we get into the words of James, that you would do deep work inside of us, that these words would become alive in us. Holy Spirit, would you come and anoint the preaching of your word this morning? May it come and break any yokes. May it come and bring life. May it come and bring joy so that we can leave the end of our short time together this morning and really say that I can count it all joy with whatever happens in this life. So we trust you, Jesus, as you lead us through these thoughts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. James starts his letter and he starts boldly. It's almost as if he really wants to get a point across. He didn't say greetings and then has a whole lot of greeting things to say. And I miss you and hope you're doing well and that, that life is good wherever you're finding yourself. He says greetings, full stop, that's it. And then he starts with a bold exclamation. And he, and, and he says something that I don't like, I don't think the listeners really liked to hear. If you're a human in any way, you will naturally find those opening words of the letter of James just a little difficult to simply just agree with. So let's just read again the opening statement of our passage. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Just look at that verse for a moment. It says, think about trials, think about difficult moments, think about tribulation as an opportunity for joy. This is, this is hard. He opens up in a, in a strong and bold statement. He says, this is how we want you and I believe God wants you to think about moments of difficulty. I love how he addresses brothers and sisters because he relates to them. 
He says, I know, I can relate to you. Listen, we are family. We're in this thing together. So as a brother, I just want to come and remind you that when we face difficulty, let's be joyful. And it's almost as if he is in the mind of the reader because he quickly comes with a reason for that. I can imagine him saying or writing down, consider it all joy or pure joy when you go through difficulties. And I can imagine him saying, well, the people are probably going to respond with a big, massive why. Why on earth should we consider it joyful when we are going through difficulty? So quickly, he answers that question with a word, because. Let's read together. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because there it is, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So James does an incredible job, not only to bring a very bold statement, but to quickly answer the why question to that statement. Think about children. You could tell your children to go and clean their room. What's the first thing they ask? Why? Think about a difficult moment. You've got to pay your taxes. <laughs> What's the first thing we ask? Why? And then when you have the answer and you hear those words, because your heart settles down. So I pray this morning that your heart will settle down on God's view in trials and suffering and tribulation and difficulty that you would hear that word because this morning and think about it a little bit differently. So I'm going to title my message this morning because and in actual fact I'm going to make it very simple for you and I'm, I'm going to get the kids involved here for a moment. Who of the children know what an abbreviation is? Any kids out there if that's you? Just uh, put up your hand and, and respond. Cool, the abbreviation is when you take a word and you take each letter of that word and you write a sentence or a statement with it. So for the next few minutes, the word because, and I believe if we, if we really get this and, and live our lives like that, then we will be able to count the joy when we go through difficulty. I'm going to abbreviate the word because for us. So here we go. Because is to be cheerful always under seasons of endurance. Let's all read that together out loud. Be cheerful always under seasons of endurance. Now children, if you ever need to spell the word because again in a spelling test, just remember that phrase. Be cheerful always under seasons of endurance. And that's the heart of what James is wanting to bring to the people right at the start of his letter. Is that there's a possible space to live in because you guys are out there you guys are persecuted you guys are we're not gathering the way we want to as a church in Jerusalem the way we used to so I really want to encourage you that you can be cheerful always under these seasons of endurance I want you for a moment to imagine a marriage proposal boy meets girl boy and girl falls deeply in love and then that moment happens where the future groom comes up to the, the future bride and he is about to propose. What comes to mind when you think about a proposal? Maybe you, you see some pictures and I can imagine some of the, the unmarried women dreaming what that moment could look like. But I think there's one thing that comes to mind whenever we think about a proposal and that is a ring. A ring is a necessary element to make a proposal, a successful proposal. Well, I think for most of the, the world out there at least. But more so than the ring is, and I believe the woman will all say amen. It's not just a ring, but it's the diamond 
inside of the ring or the stone that really matters. Now, I don't know if you know this, but diamonds come from a type of stone called kimberlite, which is actually where the name Kimberley in South Africa is derived from, where some of our greatest diamonds have been discovered in our nation. And here I've got something similar to kimberlite to represent kimberlite to us, but this is kimberlite in its, its unrefined stage. This is just a piece of rock. And there might be some promise in this rock of, of a diamond inside, but the only way we get it from the stone to the diamond is through years of exposure to incredible pressure and extremely high heat. Kimberlite is found at around 150 to 200 kilometers underneath the surface of the earth in the crust of the earth. And there it get, gets up to 1300 degrees Celsius. So take your warmest summer's day you've ever experienced in South Africa and multiply that by at least 30. And that is how hot it gets down there. Maybe it's a little bit more. I think my sums might be up different. Uh, not, my maths might be a little bit out this morning. But <laughs> nonetheless, it gets really hot. And then the pressure down there is 60 kilobars. So don't ask me to explain that to you. I'm not a scientist. But down there in the earth crust, through heat and through incredible pressure, are formed these little indents that are diamonds. And then once the diamond is found in the kimberlite, it has to go through an incredible process of getting it out of the stone. And then it's got to go through a complete refining process and a cutting process so that the brilliance of the diamond can be shown. Now I want you to go for a moment back to the proposal. Imagine a future groom comes up to a future bride and says, I love you and I want to spend the rest of my life to you and I have bought you a diamond and he gives her a piece of kimberlite and he points out and he says you know what you'll see there there's a little bit of a shiny piece there that's the diamond I wanted to give you and and she looks at it perplexed and why are you giving me a stone he says but it's a diamond and she says I don't want that I want the real thing what she had in mind is something like this beautifully defined beautifully cut radiant and brilliant and imagine the groom says you know what I really felt sorry for this piece of rock, for this little bit of kimberlite. Because it had to go through a whole lot of pressure and a whole lot of, whole lot of heat for the diamond to look the way you wanted it to look. And then not even that, it needed a diamond cutter to get it out of there and cut it and cut it and cut it and cut it until it becomes as brilliant as you want it to be. Similar to what it is when the father prunes us so that we can bear more fruit and that's a simple analogy to explain to you that there is a diamond in each of us that God is at work and he uses heat and pressure and pruning to come and not leave us in this state of how we were found but to work us to a place where we are as brilliant and as beautiful as a wedding ring. The invitation this morning, back to the word because, is that God wants to work on your faith. He wants to work on your character. He wants to beautify you. He wants you to be a, a, a splendoring display of His glory to the world. He wants to form you and He wants to test you under heat and pressure of trial so that you can become defined. The question is, do you want to remain undefined? 
Or do you want to be in HD, highly defined in everything that God has for you? So James says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you go through these difficult moments. And we're going to look at five things he says in scripture to answer the word because. He didn't just say count it all joy and be happy because that would be, that would be not unnecessary and, and not very helpful. Imagine I just tell you like you're going through difficulty, just be happy about it. He's not saying that. He's not saying just try and muster up some worldly happiness. He's saying, guys, let me explain to you why. What is the because you, uh, the reason behind being happy through difficulty? So five things. And our first thing this morning is you can be cheerful always under seasons of endurance because it shows the real you and it shapes the best you. Your faith was made for testing. What happens in the moment of our faith being tested, it shows what's really inside of us. It shows the character and, and sometimes we are in difficult seasons of life and, and you see some people that you love and you, you wonder what's happening out there because they are in those trying and testing times and the character shows and, and the depths of who they are shows and, and God allows those moments so that we can align back to what He has for us. So that we can show the bad fruit, so that he can come and cut and take away, so that we can be bearing good fruit. It shows the authenticity of our faith. It makes our faith something that, that, that is tested. Imagine having to build a car and going through all of the, the effort of building that car and never putting it to test. Or, or creating a ship out of nothing and you create the ship and, and all you do is you just keep it in, in the workspace or, or in the harbor and it never gets to go out and face the seas. In the same way, our faith was made to be tested. And we can be cheerful in those moments of testing because it shows us where we are at. It gives us an opportunity to grow. C.S. Lewis said this in his book, A Grief Observed. That God has not been trying an experiment on my faith or love in order to find out the equality. He knew it already. It was I who didn't. C.S. Lewis encourages us and he says, you know what? These testing times is not for God to see where our faith is at. He knows that already. It's an opportunity for us to better see where we are at in our journey of faith. A couple of weeks ago, Helena and I had the privilege and joy to go and pray for a family in our church who's walking through cancer. The wife has been um, diagnosed with a very scarce cancer, very rare cancer, and, and the treatment around it is quite unsure and uncertain. But we went to pray for them because they took James 5 to action that says, when you are sick, call for the leaders of the church to come and pray for you and anoint you with oil. And that's what we did. We, we went with some anointing oil and we prayed together. But I was really blessed by walking through their front door and experiencing the joy and expectation and the love that they have for one another in Jesus amidst the trial. I was expecting to walk in there and feel the dark, somber heaviness of the season they are in. But it was quite the opposite. There was light, there was joy and there was life. And I really, really felt to, to encourage the husband and say, you know what I love is that your faith is showing the authenticity of what it is to have followed Jesus for such a long time. But not only is it showing that God is allowing a season of shaping that faith even more, because He's into our character. He's into bringing the best out of us. He wants to take the Kimberlite in our journey with Him and create the most beautiful diamond. And we had a moment of praying together and telling that family, you know what, in all of this, 
let God continue to work in you everything he has for you. We are encouraged elsewhere in scripture. 1 Peter 1 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. We can be joyful in seasons of endurance because it produces steadfastness, character, and hope. Secondly, James says we can be joyful because there's an endless available wisdom. James says that if you lack wisdom in seasons of trial, if you lack wisdom in, in life, reach out to God and ask Him. And then He gives us a beautiful promise. He says, God is so generous that He would generously give to you without reproach. It's almost like a double yes. I'll generously give you wisdom and I'm not going to hold back. What a promise for us in seasons of difficulty. Therefore, we can be cheerful because it allows us to go to God and say, God, can you show me your perspective? Can you give me your wisdom in this difficult season? In moments of trial, we've got to seek out God. We've got to seek Him out in His Word. We've got to seek Him out in prayer. We've got to seek Him out in community. And then as we do, the wisdom of God will come to us. The idea of faith is explained here. It says when you go to God, don't go doubting. If you're doubting, you're like a man who's like the sea being tossed to and fro. And don't expect that you will get anything from God. But when we go and ask of God with expectation, and then secondly, being okay with what God says and His wisdom on the matter, we will receive. You see, faith and the faith that James speaks about is a response to who God is and what He does. It is not going to God and, and getting things the way we would prefer to get it. When we ask, and we ask in faith, we go with a heart that says, God, I need wisdom and I need your perspective. I might not like the answer, but I trust your wisdom. Will you share some of that wisdom with me? Can I find it in your word? Can I find it in community? Doubting comes in when we are unhappy with God's view and His wisdom. Then we start doubting. Then we're like... Okay, yeah, I, I, I hear I've got to find joy and, and put on garments of praise for a spirit of heaviness and, and trust Jesus and, and, and be prayed for and, and open up my life and share what I'm going through. I, I hear all those things, but God, I'm not sure that I want to apply that wisdom. And then we become like the doubting wave to and fro. And then the Bible says, James says, don't expect to get anything from God. When we go ready to hear what His wisdom is, He will share with us boldly. And because of that, we can be cheerful in trials. We get to glean from the wisdom of God. Thirdly, James said, we can be cheerful always under seasons of endurance because we are all in this together. James does a beautiful job here to stretch the impact of trials across the spectrum of social living and, and different kinds of people. He speaks to the poor and he speaks to the rich. And he says across the spectrum, doesn't matter where you find yourself, there will be trial. 
trial comes to all. How hard it must be if trial comes to you and you don't have hope. I often think about the world that does not have Jesus and the word of God. I'm like, Lord, how do they get through it? How do they get through these seasons? And James makes sure to say, whether you're poor, whether you're rich, whether you live in, in Africa, whether you live in Europe, wherever you find yourself, and he's speaking to his, his crowd, he says, there where, where you are dispersed and not, and not together, wherever you are, in your poverty or in your riches, trial comes to everyone. Ecclesiastes explains it like this. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it, which is it said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. Trial and tribulation and difficult times is part of human life and it's always been. This side of heaven, we're going to face it. We're going to go through it until the day that Jesus returns. And it touches on all spectrums of life. It touches all peoples. No one is exempt. So we can be cheerful knowing that we are in this together. And it's in community together that we face those trials a little bit better, a little bit stronger and get through it joyfully and cheerfully to the other side. I need community to speak to my soul when I'm doubting, when I don't want to glean on the wisdom of God, when I don't want to be joyful and allow God to shape the best inside of me. We are all in this together. The fourth thing James says is that we can be cheerful always under seasons of endurance because there is an end and a reward in sight. He does a beautiful job to say that the day is going to come when this is going to end. We are going to reach the finish line. Yes, on this side of heaven, you might go through some very difficult moments, but the day is going to come when Jesus returns and you will receive a crown of life, the victor's crown, the crown of endurance. I was thinking again about the church in Smyrna, Revelation 2. It's called Suffering Smyrna. A church has been going through so much trial and so much difficulty and, and they get a letter from, from John who had an encounter with Jesus and I can expect, I can almost imagine the expectation like the suffering is going to be over. We've got a letter from heaven. But then let's read what was in the letter. It said, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested for 10 days. You will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. We can be cheerful in difficult moments because there's a crown waiting for us. We can be cheerful in difficult moments because there's a Jesus on the way for us. And James does a great job to say the crown of life is coming for those who endure, and especially those who do endure during times of temptation, times of, of, of wanting your flesh to be fed instead of living from the wisdom of God in these difficult times. And then lastly, the fifth thing that James does, he says, we can be cheerful always under seasons of endurance because we know a perfectly good father. He ends this part in his letter to really focus on the father, to really focus on the beauty of God. He speaks about temptation first. He says, let no one say when he is tempted that he is tempted by God. He says, don't be deceived, my brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above. God in, in himself, don't tempt your flesh and he himself is not tempted. So when you go through tribulations, the temptation is to give all the guilt onto God. 
to blame him for it. He says, no, that's your flesh wanting to do that. Don't fall into that trap and be deceived. And then he explains so beautifully how beautiful God is. He says, every gift that you have and even the gift of trials and difficulty is perfect. It comes from above and it comes from the father of lights. The one who shines his light in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. It comes from him and with him there is no shadow of change. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. He's the father of lights. He's the refiner's fire. He allows, allows at moments of the fire to, to burn upon us so that we are more refined, so that we become better displays of his light into this world. And to bring us back to the diamond, this diamond ring is only useful if it displays light. The brilliance of a diamond is only enjoyed when light shines upon it. So when we allow the Father of lights to shine upon us, and we've gone through those testings, we've gone through the pressure, we've gone through the heat, He showed us where we are and where He wants to take us, He shaped us, and He comes with His light, and His light shines upon us, we can be like a beautifully crafted diamond who shows the world the brilliance of the Father of lights. And that, I believe, is the purpose of trials and tribulation. That I believe is the greatest reason we can be joyful in these moments because I get to show to the world the beauty of my Father in heaven, the Father of lights. My life reflects it. Let us be a people who become joyful in these moments because we want to reflect our Father best. And then this passage is wrapped up in verse 18. He says, we are his prized possession. In the NLT, it says it like this. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, become his prized possession. I'm holding in my hand a diamond ring, which is a prized possession to Elena, to my wife. And that's how the father holds us. He says, nothing in this world, not even the biggest diamond, I count worthy. My children, I have brought life to you by giving you the opportunity to be born again. You are my prized possession. And when the Father becomes our prized possession, we become everything He has for us. So this morning, I want to invite you to be cheerful always under seasons of endurance. To be mindful this morning of where your faith is. Maybe through this sermon, God has showed you where your faith is. Maybe you've seen it for the first time in a long time. Maybe you, you signed in today and you're hearing a message that is really speaking to your heart and, and you say, my life is not reflecting the Father of all. And when you speak about being birthed from the Father, I've never done that. I've never said, Father, I want to be found in you. And there's an opportunity for you this morning to take all that you are going through and put it at the feet of Jesus and say, as a servant, I submitted under your Lordship. Will you come and work in me? I want to move away from being a little defined to being fully defined in everything that you have for me. Up on the screen, I'm going to show you again the five points that James makes. And we've going to, we're going to have some music play for a little while. And all I want you to do this morning in response is to look at those five statements and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you 
about what He wants to say to you, where you need to grow in becoming cheerful in seasons of endurance. Lord Jesus, I pray as we move on from this point and as we get into studying your word a little bit deeper through reading it this week and, and taking each verse and looking at it in depth, that you would raise up in us a joy that can only come from your Holy Spirit. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to every heart and minister to every heart so that we are people who see the purpose in our pain, who see the joy in our suffering, and who know that you have got brilliance and clarity and definition in store for us. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.